1: Come with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Ghost. May the Holy Ghost give you a child. Amen. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to dissolve quietly. May you marry a just man. Amen. It's not every man we marry. Likewise, it's not every woman we marry. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. He shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, he took his wife. But knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. May you not know the person you are dating until you marry. Say an amen. Amen. Yeah, Indonesia passed a law, I think, about a week or two ago, that if you sleep with somebody before you marry the person, they should jail you for, I think, uh, some <laughs> a couple of years. And, you know, they picked it the up, I think, on Love FM or one of those news items, and they were asking Ghanaians of their opinion. <laughs> what Ghanaians think about a law that has been passed far away In Indonesia, and it's only for your ears. Some of the things that people were saying. Okay, now chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star... When it rose, and I've come to worship him, may you learn to celebrate the star of others. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people he inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born, they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you, shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent to Bethlehem, saying, Go and set diligently for the child. And where you have found him, bring me word that I may come and worship. Herod wanted to worship in a very convenient way. There are many people who want to serve God, but on their own terms. After listening to the king, they went on their way. Behold, the star that they had seen, when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy and going into the house. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures. They offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and mayor. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Verse 13. Let's read it together. Now when they have departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to rise, take your child and his wife, and flee to Egypt and remain there until for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Amen? Amen. Okay, this is also another powerful instruction there. Amen. Yeah, it's not every time you have to face your opposition head on. Amen. Sometimes you have to just uh, run away for your life. Amen. If you are in a marriage and your husband is threatening to kill you, you don't pray in that kind of marriage. Are you with me here? Yeah? Yeah, you, don't, you don't stay there and pray that God will turn his heart. By the time his heart is turned, you'll be, you'll be singing with angels. So you, you have to understand that. There's a time to fight and there's a time to flee. You have to understand that. Jesus, at the time when he, the, the right time came for him to fight, he told them, who are you looking for? And they all fell. But at a certain stage in his life, he depended on others. You see, that's something I've been saying lately that about the need. I think last week I even talked about it. The fact that you need others. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need me. You need and I need, I need you. Yeah. This was the Messiah to save the world. But the Messiah couldn't save himself at a certain stage in his life. The fact that you can't do certain things now does not mean that you will not always be able to do it. There are things you are incapable of doing now. Do the ones you can do and leave the rest for a future time. Okay, so he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt. I call my son. One of the beautiful things about the story of the birth of Christ is about how God's word would always stand the test of time. Among many things, one of the sure things we see about the birth of Christ is the fact that what God has spoken can never be reversed. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 to 12, he says, for my thoughts are not like your thoughts, ye the Lord, neither are my ways like your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Then he says, for my way shall be that would go forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish the purpose for which I sent it, and it will prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. When God speaks, it may take time, but eventually it will come to pass. That's why I know that every prophetic word that has been released over your destiny shall find speedy fulfillment. All you need to do is to stake out your faith and trust God. Believe God. Stay with God. The Bible says, Abraham started getting under the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, trusting and believing God. Verse 16, then Herod when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men became furious. And he sent and killed all the maid children in Bethlehem. And all that region, who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men, and was fulfilled. What was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah? A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted. Because they are no more, amen. Everything was fulfilling prophecy. You see, I think about two or three weeks ago, I was saying that there are things that cannot be prayed into manifestation until the time is due. So, prayer becomes effective when we are praying in alignment with the will of God. Okay, you can frustrate yourself in prayer and think that prayer does not work because there is something else you need to know beyond prayer, and that is what God intends to do. Are you with me here? Yeah, the birth of Jesus was tied to a certain specific time frame. So, Galatians tells us when the fullness of time was come, so until the fullness of time came everything did not matter. Whatever anybody did was not going to change the fact that the fullness of time was not come. But when the fullness of time came, God made sure that everything needed to be in alignment. When the fullness of time came. There are a number of things we'll share in this uh, series, but it's just that we have a short time to look at it. I will touch on one today and then we will see what lies ahead. Verse 19. But when Herod died, Somebody say, Herod will, die. Herod will die. You don't need to pray for his death. Herod died. Herod died. He died. An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. Maybe next week we will talk about some marks of a godly man. I think we should look at some marks of a godly man. We are looking at how this thing all happened. There are some marks of a rich man. There are some marks of an intelligent man. There are some marks... But there are also unique marks of a godly man. And you see that the child came to Mary. Mary became a generational blessing. But Mary's association with Joseph was what led to the preservation of everything Mary carried. Joseph was so, 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 so godly and spiritual, saying, Rise up, take up the child and his mother and go to the land. <laughs> hey, look at this. Verse 19, but when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph. Where was Mary? Was the angel not appearing to Mary? (laughs) Women who cannot be under authority are bound to suffer a life. Do you see that before the conception took place, the angel dealt with Mary? Do you see that from the moment they came into agreement that Mary became a wife? From there onwards, God never spoke to Mary again. If you are a wife, don't be strongly opinionated. Yeah, Stand with your man, support your man, but don't seek to lead your man. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead your man. Clap for the, the woman of God. <laughs> Allow the Holy Spirit to lead your man. <laughs> yeah, because, <laughs> because there are many women who are troubled in their home because they want to play the God in the life of their man. They want to play the God in the life of their man. You don't do that. You don't do that. In fact, First Peter tells us something. That's what I actually wanted to preach about yesterday at the marriage. But when I got there, they told me I have 15 minutes. And the 15 minutes came with some other conditions. That's why when I go to wedding in other people's church, I don't preach for long. Ago. One sermon, I can preach it everywhere. Yeah. There are some sermons they are easy to preach. Four-point sermon, build with God, build. <laughs> ah, simple. When I finished, he was clapping for me. He didn't know I had, I had gone ahead of him. I was telling mommy. Mommy was asking me, "Ah, this sermon you've been preaching." I say, "Listen, <laughs> I don't have a lack of sermons to preach, but not every sermon can be preached within a certain time." Give me First Peter chapter three. Let me show you something there. First Peter chapter three, verse one. He says wives. Somebody say wives. 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 Likewise, wives, be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Verse 2. He says, while they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Verse 3. He says, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing. How do you arrange hair? Arranging the hair, wearing gold, and putting on fine apparel. Turn to your neighbor if he's a man and say, Women like fine apparel. So buy a lot for your wife. wife. Fine apparel. It's not yesterday. It's not yesterday. It has been there since. Fine apparel. Verse 4. He says, rather let it be the hidden person of the heart. So he says that if you are going to get married on your wedding day, make sure you make up well. Make sure that you have a nice wedding gown. Make sure that you come looking all beautiful and glorious. That is for the pictures, but for the preservation and the longevity of the marriage, dress inside well. Dress inside well. Dress inside well. Dress inside well. Because if you are looking very good on the outside, but very dirty on the inside, (laughs) it's a recipe for disaster. He says, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of the Lord. Now, what has taken me all the way from Marty to this side, is verse 6. He says, As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. One of the reasons why a lot of women try to drive their husbands, move them, and lead them is because they are afraid. If I don't tell him to do this, he will drive us in a ditch. If I don't act fast, he will mess us up. Because They think they are faster. Some men are laughing. (laughs) But that's not what you are supposed to do. That's not your business, really. Go to verse 5, please. He said, for after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted were in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. And, verse 6, even as Sarah obeyed, Calling him Lord. Turn to your neighbor if it's a wife. Say, learn to call your husband Lord. <laughs> <laughs> say, my Lord. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know the meaning in G? Mura. <laughs> now, Now, listen. Now, today they don't call Lord. They say, dear, honey, sweetie. That's what they call. <laughs> but in those times, that's what they used to call. You know, he says that if you are going to be able to submit to your husband, one, you must trust that God is able to get your husband to do the right thing. Trust that. Trust that God is able to keep your husband to do the right thing. Or else you will fight with him over every test message he receives. Trust. Trust in God. A lot of people miss it all the time. I've handled a few marital issues in my lifetime as a pastor. And I've seen that most of the time, the suspicions are just too much. And no, you can suspect somebody and become sick because of your intense suspicion and anxiety. There are people who really have no business at all to worry in their homes, and yet they are worried consistently. May that not be your testimony. Okay, so let's go back to our text. Verse 19. Take the child and he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. When he heard that Achilles was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there and be warned in a dream. He withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went to live in a city called Nazareth. So that was spoken by the prophet... <laughs> How many times has things been spoken and fulfilled? Too many times. Okay, so that's Luke. We have detailed account of the birth of Christ in two of the Gospels. We have it in Luke and we have it in Matthew. Let's look at Luke because that is where we'll be looking today. In those days, a decree went from Caesar Augustus that all should be registered. This was a registration. And all went to be registered Each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary who was with child. And while they were there, there came a time for her to give birth. And she gave birth to, let's read verse 7 because that's what I'm going to be teaching from today. Verse 7, one go. And she gave birth. Yes. And she And laid him in a manger. Spirit of God, help me this moment as I seek to bring help to your people. through your word. And let your word come with simplicity, accuracy, and understanding. Thank you for your help today. In Jesus' precious name. amen. Amen. The Bible says, She gave birth to her son, her firstborn. And she wrapped him in the swaddling clothes. Laid him in a manger. And we are told the reason why that was done because there was no room for them in the inn. Somebody say no room. room. Say no room. Now, one of the things about Scripture is the fact that Scripture is meant to be an example for us. Somebody say an example. example. In the book of Romans 15, 4, the New International Version says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. Somebody say written to teach us. Okay, it was written to teach us everything that is written in Scripture, documented in Scripture, is written to teach us. And when he was talking about these things, he was not talking about the New Testament because they were not available at the time. At the time, Paul said this. He was not talking with reference to the New Testament. He was talking about the Old Testament. You know, the Old Testament is very powerful. And the Old Testament is powerful when you understand how to relate with it and how to use it. Because most of the revelations we have in the New Testament were born out of an understanding of the Old Testament. That's how it started. So, you cannot discount that part of the book and run off with the New Testament because sometimes your ability to be able to appreciate what it means like for instance the book of Hebrews if you want to appreciate the book of Hebrews spend time reading Leviticus when you appreciate Leviticus you will be able to understand the context of Hebrews so we are saying that scripture is written to teachers somebody say written to teachers so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So, scripture gives us endurance. It helps us to be able to endure the things we must endure. And it also provides us with encouragement to deal with the various challenges of life. When we're looking at overcoming giant temptation, you remember First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6. That's what the Bible says. First Corinthians 10, 6 and verse 11. Now, these things took place as examples. Somebody said they took place as examples. Say they took place as examples. Okay, so there are positive examples in scripture and there are negative examples in scripture. The positive examples are examples we must follow. The negative examples are examples we must share. When you read the story of Christ, several lessons can be drawn. I was just speaking a few of them with you. But today, in the few minutes we have ahead of us, I want to look at life lessons. That's going to be the series title. Life lessons from the birth of Christ. Somebody say life lessons. Life lessons lessons from the birth of Christ. Life lesson. Somebody said life is a school. Say life life is a school. Yeah, life is a school. And when you understand that life is a school and you make up your mind to learn from life, you will learn many things well. There are people who have gone to school, they have earned degrees, and they don't know how to live life because they have not come to a place where they appreciate that life is a school. Life is a school, and it's the biggest classroom. It's a classroom, and we learn lessons every day. The birth of Christ gives us lessons that when we apply ourselves so we can live a meaningful life, a meaningful Christian life, and be able to challenge our generations. Today, the life lesson we want to look at is that some opportunities once lost can never be recovered again. Some opportunities. Somebody say some opportunities. opportunities. Say some opportunities. opportunities. Once lost lost. can never be recovered again. Now, that is supposed to get you to sit up and to be careful how you manage your life. Some opportunities once lost can never be recovered again. Some opportunities once lost can never be recovered again. Now, I want you to think about the birth of Christ as an opportunity God gave. God had a plan, and that plan required that he worked with certain people. The plan needed that certain human beings cooperate with him. And that's how God has always worked. God has always worked with men. When somebody says that God does not need you or you are useless to God, he's not telling you the whole truth, really, because God needs you for his God. He needs you so much that he paid a heavy price to get you. Now, who goes to the market and pays so much to buy an item that is useless? We only pay so much for things that are useful to us, things that we need in order to advance our cause. And God has a need for me. Somebody say, God has need for me. We are so useful to God. And so, when Jesus was about to be born, this is history being made. History was going to be made. In an unusual way, God had a plan of redemption mapped out in Genesis. And he walked through, all through, how many books? In 39 books. 39 books were given to prepare for the D-Day. And when the show came, He handpicked some individuals and gave them the opportunity to play specific roles. And it's sad that almost everybody played their role well. This is God's redemptive plan being unveiled. And it's being unveiled in phases. There were two phases of God's redemptive plan. The first phase was the birth of Christ. And when it comes to the birth of Christ, people had unique roles they were supposed to play. The death of Christ. People had unique roles uh, uh, to play, albeit some of them were quite negative roles, but they needed to be played, and there were people who took upon themselves the responsibility to play that role. And it's interesting that even for the negative roles, some people volunteered themselves to play, and yet the positive role, the people who were on that queue, some of them missed it. It's my prayer that as we celebrate the birth of Christ this month, you'll be reminded That life is full of opportunities. God will give you opportunities. But there are some opportunities once they come and you lose them. You can't get them back again. Somebody say an amen. Amen. Uh, My mind quickly goes to a man by the name of Esau. Esau. Esau, 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 Esau was a great guy. Esau was born first. Esau was born as the eldest. Esau had the best of privileges. Esau had the best of education. Esau had the best life could get. You see, under the Jewish uh, 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 tradition, if you are born first, you are entitled to a fat portion. Jewish means time you were entitled to a certain fat portion of the meal. So, your father who is the head of the house had his own portion, but because you as a firstborn, you are the heir next to the throne, you were also given a fair and a fat portion. That was a portion of every Jewish firstborn child. And as a firstborn, you are also entitled to the birthright. The birthright gave you access to the blessing. So, if you look at the context where uh, the man, Jacob, Okay, He said, sell me this day your birthright. Remember that transaction in Genesis chapter 25? If you're a student of the Bible, you remember what I'm talking about. He said, sell me this day your birthright. When he came and said, I'm hungry. I want food to eat and I must eat now. He said, I must eat now or I die. Then Jacob said, sell me your birthright. If you want to die, I want to live. And I want to live in blessing. So sell me your birthright so I can become a candidate to the blessing. Praise the Lord. And then he looked at his face and said, what is a birthright? What is a birthright? Life is full of choices. And we have to understand that the choices we make, they have consequences. Every choice you make if you choose as a young man to play chess and give your strength to alcohol, sooner or later, it will catch up with you. And don't look at me like you are angels because some of you are here who drink seriously. You drink seriously. You drink seriously. And you are gradually boiling your livers and your kidneys away. And very soon, if your days get numbered, it's one witch or wizard. And it's always sad. You know, it, sometimes I really don't understand why when people grow old, they become witches. Really? Are you thinking of ever growing old? So when you become old, you are the next candidate to be branded witch. Do you know that old age is a blessing? Not many people get to grow old. So in the Old Testament, they were told to honor the gray head. Uh, hardly ever do you see young people are witches. Most of the time, they are old people. They have a, 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 a witches' camp in Dambaga also, so. And uh, I think about two weeks ago, I saw a video or a, 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 some kind of documentary on it about the deplorable conditions they were living under and all of those things. And I was like, really? In this time, government can allow things like that to thrive in a nation like ours? It's a very sad thing. But let me just stay with this man called Esau because Esau, looked at the birthright, he said, the birthright had no value. There's no future in this birthright. What is it? What is it that I'm going to gain out of this? Take it! He took it, but when he took it and finished, later on the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, that Esau wept bitterly. Listen, there are things that when you lose, no amount of weeping can bring them back. For his God. No amount of weeping can bring them back. No amount of pleading. He received something, but not exactly. There is a man in your life, be careful you don't lose him. Okay. There's a woman called a, a wife, be careful you don't lose her. She can go. She can go. Sometimes when I hear people make such foolish statements, I just pity them. In my lifetime, I've seen people who are doing so well. So well. So well. And then, issues, relational issues like that. They just brought the thing aside. It's not necessary. As if they, did, they were useless. As soon as those people parted from their lives, everything went downhill. Listen, life association matters. There are people when they come into your life, they are to you. There are people when they leave your life, negative things begin to happen in your life. And it takes wisdom to know which of them you have around you now. He said it's not necessary. That is it. Look at this. A man who saw this birthright, later on the Bible said he's a fornicator or a profane person. They were just comparing to a fornicator and a profane person because he did not treat what was valuable, valuable for his God. This morning, I'm not talking about the mother of Jesus because she played a role. She gave accommodation for Christ for nine months. And listen, carrying Jesus was no joke. <laughs> carrying Jesus was no joke. Most of the time, I encourage people who are expecting that you create a certain atmosphere for your spouse because the pregnancy itself is weight. So if you also burden her with psychological problems, emotional problems, you complicate a matter. But Mary, she had all of them put together. When she is coming, this is a pregnant virgin. That's what people used to say. The pregnant virgin is coming. If Mary was in a church that was full of immature people, when she came to church, they gave her an attitude. That was Mary. As for Joseph, ah, that was Joseph. And if you look at the life of Jesus very well, Joseph was really not much into his life. Because for them to, at a certain point in time, say that Jesus, the son of Mary meant that the father-son connection was not so strong. After using Jesus for his carpentry business, he really didn't give him much attention as he needed. So, in a certain sense, but in the formative years of Christ, we see that Joseph played a very vital role. How many of you saw that? He played a very vital role. The Spirit of God guided him. He played many roles in order to make sure that Christ was secure. That was Joseph. But you know, and the wise men, they came very far. Very, very far. Have you wondered where Jesus had money to be traveling up and down? Go to Egypt. Go to, and he was running. Where did he get that money from? It was the money from the wise men. They came and they brought gold. And without gold, they could travel anywhere. So these guys played their role. But there is one joker in history called the innkeeper. Somebody say the innkeeper. Yeah, that's the man I want to talk about. And that is why I'm saying that some opportunities, once you lose them, you can never get them back in life. The history of redemption will never be rewritten. And I'm speaking to you now. That is past, but it was written down to instruct us. There are certain opportunities, you have them now, and they are only available to you today. Tomorrow, they may not be there. In the next 10 years, they may not be there. So you have to be very alert. By the time I'm through, I'm just desiring and believing God that you come to a place where you become spiritually alert and sensitive to the doors God opens around you to the opportunities God brings into your life. Because you see, the difference between people, When you see people who have accomplished so much with their lives and people who have not done so much with their lives, most of the time, it is their attitude and response to opportunity. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, it said, I returned and I saw under the sun that the race is not to the sweet, the battle is not to the strong, bread is not to the wise, riches to men of understanding or favor to men of skill. But time and chance... And let me tell you, as long as you live, these two things, there are two things God never robs any individual of them. He will give you time and he will give you chance. God will give you time and opportunities. And what you do with those two will influence the outcome of your life. Can you imagine, just imagine for a second, a woman is in labor about to bring forth, and she comes to a hotel reception. And she needs a place to deliver. And a mortal man who has blood flowing through him will look at the face of this woman and tell her, there is no place for you here. You need to have a certain heart to be able to communicate that. You need to have a certain mindset to be able to have that kind of disposition towards a person. Praise God. Now, how many of you, if you sat in the car and the car was full and a pregnant woman entered the car, will give up your seat for the pregnant woman to sit down. Many of us will do that. Many of us will do that. This is not sitting down. This is bringing forth. The Bible said the time of delivery came. And she went to the innkeeper. And says, I need a place. And the man looked at him. For whatever reason. He says, there's no room here. Praise God. Ooh, there is no room here. She had no idea who she was dealing with. She had no idea whatsoever. She didn't know that she was dealing with the one who said the earth is a loss and the fullness are off. The world and they that dwell therein. She didn't know. She didn't know that the creator of the heavens and the earth was wrapped up in a baby. She couldn't see it. Praise God. You see. There is a way opportunities come and you can easily jump up to it. But most opportunities don't come the way you expect. And that is why a lot of people miss great opportunities in life. They don't come the way. Look at a man like Abraham, who had been barren for 25 years, for a long time had no child, and he's sitting in front of his house and three men just walk to him. And then he engages them. He says, come to my house, come and eat, blah, 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 blah. As he is communicating with them, they are beginning to talk as if they are God. They came to him, three men appeared. Three men later on became God. And he told them, according to the time of, this, uh, of life, by this same time, next year, you shall bring forth a son. They couldn't even believe it, but it happened. Why? Because he designed and seized the moment. He brought them home, fed them. Can you imagine a 90-year-old man running about trying to get uh, some food to serve to people who are guests? Three irrecoverable opportunities the innkeeper lost. One, he lost the opportunity to have been the first earthly host for the king of kings and the lord of lords. He lost it. Somebody say he lost it. The opportunity to have been the first earthly host. (laughs) And if you understand what it means to host God, (laughs) you won't joke with that. You can ask Martha and Mary. How did Lazarus come back to life? It was because they were used to hosting Jesus. Jesus would go there and eat, just go there and eat. When he died, Jesus said, It's a small matter. As for your case, it's not a long prayer. What you have done is enough to secure you your heritage. Don't worry, I will come there later. And when she came, the man, what? How many dead people, three days dead people, did Jesus raise? Very few. Very few. Not too many people. Because not too many people open their doors to Christ like that. You remember Zacchaeus? They were saying, this man is not correct. Why will you go into the house of a man who is a sinner? But the sinner knew how to host him. When he saw him, he climbed a tree. He had great honor and respect for him that he climbed a tree. Jesus said, come down. I'm coming to your home. And he went to the home of a sinner and dined with him because... He knew how to accommodate him. The Bible says, today salvation has come to your home. How did it come? It came by learning to host him. This man had the same opportunity, but blew it. Blew it. He said, take him anywhere. I said, there's no place here. Can you hear? You want to disturb my guests? You want to soil our reception area with blood? Do you want the hotels association to downgrade our rating? But that was the messiah. What is it that came to you this year, last year, the past six years? See, sometimes people lose great opportunities and after many years, they come back praying for it. God is merciful. But I've realized that even in God's mercy, he never, never gives people the same thing again. There are things when you lose, you lose them. When Samson decided to play with Delilah, he lost his hair. He was able to die with them, but some never fulfilled his destiny, because his destiny was not to die with them prematurely. He was supposed to deliver them, but he died prematurely with them. He died prematurely with them. This man, Esau, Esau cried and cried and cried. What happened to him? Did he get it back? He never got it back. And you see, Genesis is 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 a book that I have special interest in because what happens in Genesis actually set the tone about life, about God, about in Genesis, we All the the things that are connected in creation or function in synergy in creation are seen in Genesis. In Genesis, God is seen. In Genesis, man is seen. In Genesis, the devil is known. And in Genesis, all the other things are clearly laid out. He cried and cried and cried and cried. He cried. Many years, but he got lost. Praise the Lord. Listen, there are things when you lose in your twenties, you can't get them in your thirties. There are things when you lose in your forties, you can't get them in your fifties. Praise the Lord. That's why you need to, the Bible says, a wise man's heart deserves time and judgment. It deserves time and judgment. Time and judgment. Somebody say time and judgment. judgment. Say time and judgment. 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 Number two, he lost the opportunity To have received the blessings that accompanies people who accommodate God's presence. When you accommodate God's presence, unusual blessings accompany you. You remember why Obedidom, David went, how many of you remember Obedidom? He carried the ark. David was afraid, left the ark. Obedidom carried the ark and then David, after three months only, he said, hey, if this is what happens to people who accommodate the ark, I need the ark in Jerusalem. This is what happened. You remember the same boat Peter had been using all night. He handed the boat over to Christ and for a short time of preaching, when he finished the same boat, not another boat, the same boat went on the same sea and this time caught what nobody else had caught. Am I communicating somebody at all? Let me tell you, nobody hands over anything to God in faith and loses I'm sure so, the guy had all kinds of excuses, all kinds of reasons why possibly he could not. And maybe next week or next two weeks, if it, it becomes uh, possible, if the Spirit of God has not led us somewhere, we look at why this guy missed it. Why did he miss it? You remember the wedding at Canaan? Jesus came there. He was not the guest of all now. Or what. They just invited him to be there. And his presence there delivered them from shame, provided them with the best of wine. And then at the end of it, there is no one. Can you imagine you have your wedding feast, you have invited the president, and, some, this, and while the feast is on, there is no one. Ah, how it will be? But Jesus was right there. Jesus was right there. Can I tell you the reason why things are getting finished around you is that you have put him somewhere. Keep him at the center. Turn to your neighbor and say, keep him at the center. Amen. When he becomes the center, joy will not finish. When he comes at the center, healing will not finish. When he takes center place, perfection will not finish. Keep him at the center. Keep him at the center. He lost it. He lost it. And then number three, he lost the opportunity to have secured his place in God's redemptive program for mankind, for time and eternity. Now, imagine that we get to heaven When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Can you imagine we all get to heaven and we are all saved. And the judgment of works begins. (laughs) And they begin to call a roster on those. I mean, when God is talking about redemption, salvation, and all of those things, I'm sure that people who play the various roles may have to be singled out. So they call out a roster of those who are available to play a role for the master. When he was on earth, when he was born, Mary, what did you do? I conceived him. The pressure was too much. I could have aborted him, but I didn't. The pressure, at the risk of a marriage, Mary made the decision that even if Joseph decides not to marry me, I'm still going to keep this baby anyway. And when she made that decision, she secured her place eternally. Joseph secured his place. The wise men secured their place This man eternally lost his place. What role did he play? Yes, he had the opportunity, but he didn't seize it. I pray that between now and the end of the year, and the years ahead of you, you will be alert and alive to spiritual opportunities. May your eyes be open, and may your spirit be sensitive to capture them. Can somebody say an amen? Amen. Everybody played his redemption. Can you imagine? Even the donkey played his role. The donkey played his role. If you have watched horse racing before, sometimes you can be given a horse to ride and the horse will not just move. Just not move. There are some horses, when you sit on them, they go down and they will not get up. You whip him, nothing. They will just not mind. But this donkey was happily carrying the Messiah and because the donkey availed itself to fulfill, the donkey eventually worked on clothes of human beings. Because you can't carry the Messiah and be down. Scripture is replete with examples of people who lost irrecoverable opportunities. One was Kinsor. Somebody say Kinsor. Kinso. Yeah, Kinsor. Kinsor. God selected him. And you know, Kinsor was not the will of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kinsor was not the will of God from the beginning. But later on, God actually accepted him. And God made a decision about Kinsor. But <laughs> it's sad that after God accepted him, he made sure that he lost it. Look at this. Saul said, Bring me an, a burnt offering and peace offering here to me. And he offered a burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the offering, impatience, that Saul came and went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? And he said, When I saw the people who were scattered from me, they did not come to me in the days appointed. Talking about timing and impatience. The Philistines gathered together at Michmash. And look at verse number 12. Then I said, the Philistines will come down on me at Gilgal and I will not have made supplication to the Therefore, I felt compelled. Somebody say, I felt compelled. I felt compelled. The King James says, I forced myself. Don't force yourself into things God has not called you into. I force myself. I forced myself. Did you see that? I forced myself therefore and offered a burnt offering. Now look at the pronouncement. Somewhere said to him, you have done foolishly. You have done what? Amen. May the Lord deliver us from foolishness. Amen. Making foolish decisions. Hasty decisions. You've done foolishly. Thou has done foolishly. Thou has not kept the commandment of the Lord. Which he commanded you for. Now! Look at this. Very important. For what? Please let's look at it. For Read that with me, please. For now. the Lord would have what? Establish. That kingdom. Do you know what it means? It means the book of Kings will not have been written. Hmm. All would have been Saul on the throne. The, so, if you had gone to Revelations, you won't find the key of David. It would have been the key of Saul. All of that would not have come. But he said the Lord would have established your kingdom. This is a man that God did not approve of initially. But later on, God said, maybe let me give him a chance. And he gave him a chance. And the same negative attitude brought him down. You won't lose your place. I said, you won't lose your place. He said, no, I would have established your kingdom forever. But look at verse number 14. But somebody say but. But. I've been telling you lately, there are two buts. There's a good bad and there's a negative bad. But no, the kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought. Somebody say, the Lord has sought. Do you see? Listen, when you lose an opportunity, it doesn't mean that the opportunity will not be seized by somebody else. When God gives you an opportunity and you fail to utilize it, that is what Mordecai told Esther. He said, listen, let me tell you, as for God, his ways are perfect. He can use anybody. You have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. If you decide not to play your part, don't worry. If you decide not to get involved, don't worry. Deliverance and enlargement will come from where? Somewhere. But you and your lineage will perish. May you not lose out on God's plan. I said, may you not lose out on God's plan. Now, listen. This One of the things that keeps me very, very... Sensitive and humble in dealing with the things of God is because I always understand that it's an opportunity that you have to do something for God, and it's not an opportunity you have because you are special, it's an opportunity God gave you because He's merciful on you, because He has too many people He could have used. When you think about a substitution bench, you think about 23 players in a World Cup, so at any point in time, 11 are on the field. And 12 are on the bench. Is that not what they do? But when it comes to divine bench, it's 7,000 and over. The list is too long that if they substitute you now, you may not play in the next 100 years. That is what Elijah said. Elijah said, I am the only one that is left. God said, who told you? (laughs) I have 7,000 people reserved who can take your place easily. That was it. Another man was Eli. Somebody say Eli. Eli. (laughs) Now, Eli 2, 17. The man of God came to Eli and said, that is first Samuel, peace, good. Then says the Lord, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when you were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of the tribes of Israel to be my priest? To offer upon my altar to burn incense and to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give him to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering which I have commanded in my dwelling place? And honor your sons more than me. Look at this. To make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Therefore, somebody say, therefore. therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, Indeed, <laughs> who said God has not changed his mind? Indeed, I said that indeed your house and the house of your father will walk before me forever. <laughs> but now, somebody say, But now, <laughs> <laughs> he said, But now I have changed my mind, it shall not be so. And this guy's challenge was with honor. Somebody say, Honor, honor. that was all. He says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And if you don't know anything, those who dishonor me, I will lightly esteem. Maybe Gehazi can tell us something. (laughs) Gehazi. You know what the anointing of Elijah did? Are you here? What the anointing of Elijah did. And when it came into Elisha, it did multiple foes. So, by all standards, Gehazi was in line to inherit an anointing that was super valuable. And he could buy him anything he wanted. But greed <laughs> set in. But Gehazi, the son of Elisha, the, the man of God, said, look, my master has spared a man this year. Why not receive him from his hands what he brought? But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take something from him. Ask your neighbor, what are you going to take? <laughs> and when he went, <laughs> verse 22, all is well, my master. My master has sent me. Oh, listen, when you use your master's name, use it for the right reasons. My master has sent me. There are people who have lost jobs because they said their master sent them to do something he never sent them to do. My master has sent me. As soon as you left, Two young men came. We had visitors from London. They just came in. And my master said, there's nothing in the house. So, we must come back and take whatever you brought. (laughs) Look at what this man said. (laughs) And it's, it's interesting when people stand before the anointing and they are lying. And the same anointing that has blessed their lives, they can't see that that anointing can tell. It's interesting. If that anointing was strong enough to bless you, that anointing should have the intelligence to be able to pick up some information. Look at what he told him. He says, Now he went and stood before his master, verse 25. Elijah said, Where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, Your servant did not go anywhere. Let me just here. Then he said to him, Did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time? Somebody say, Is it time? Say, Is it time? Do you see that he didn't attack what he went to receive? It was the timing. It was what? The timing. You see? Good things are good when they are done in good time. Yeah. Good things can be bad when they are done in wrong timing. Okay. You remember the rich man who became a preacher in the grave? You remember him? He wanted to preach to everybody in his house. (laughs) He started preaching when he asked for mercy at the wrong time. Have mercy on me. Abraham said, it's too late. Then he says, okay, send people. He says, when you are alive, you have the power to send people. Where we are, you lack the ability to send people. Of course, we can't talk about missed opportunities without talking about Judas. Do you know what Judas would have been doing when we all meet the Lord? Look at what the Bible says, Matthew 26, verse 14 to 15. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests. They didn't come to him, he went to them. And said, What are you willing to give me? Turn to your neighbor and say, Don't sell your master. (laughs) He said, Don't sell him. What are you willing to give me? And they counted to him 30 pieces of silver. Oh, Christ. Christ Jesus. He didn't even collect something that was valuable and lasting enough. They didn't give him gold. 30 pieces of silver. So, from that time, he sought what? He sought what? He sought opportunity to betray him. May the Lord deliver you from people who are looking for opportunity to destroy you. Because yeah. there are people, they are around you and all they are looking for is an opportunity to bring you down. Opportunity to destroy you. When you think you are helping them, they are looking for opportunity to destroy you. And because of that act, look at what he lost. Matthew 19, 26 to 28. Jesus said to him, As surely I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have, please follow me, you who have followed me will also sit. Twelve thrones. So when the day comes, you know who will be sitting on uh, Judas's own? Maybe Paul or Matthias. Matthias is a a flesh appointment. The divine appointment is Paul. (laughs) Matthias, apart from the day they voted and made him, nothing is heard about him. Nothing is heard about him. (laughs) There are people like that. Nothing is heard about them. May you not be that kind of person in church. They appointed him and finished. Don't you know parliamentarians in Ghana you don't hear anything about? There are some of them you don't hear their name at all. How many of you have heard about Okujetua Blackwa? because he's loud. He's doing something. But there are people, you don't even know them. I met one guy uh, in a flight some time back and somebody was telling me, he's an MP. I said, MP where? (laughs) (laughs) MP where? You don't know anything about them. That was Matthias. They voted and put him there, and that was it. He went to sleep. (laughs) And this morning, I want to close my time is up, but looking at the man who lost the ultimate opportunity, And that opportunity was to be saved. You remember Jesus on the cross? On the cross. The man was on the cross. He had been betrayed. He had been accused. Wrongly. And the accusation took him all the way to the cross. Now he's on the cross, about to die. And they will not allow him to die in peace. Somebody, a criminal who deserved everything he had also joined them to begin to accuse him. Then one of the criminals who hanged this blasphemed, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God? (laughs) Seeing you are under the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, As surely I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. What we have sought to establish in this service is that don't joke with your life. Don't joke with the relationships God brings your way. Don't joke with the people you make contact with every day. Don't joke with your life. You have to be very sensitive. There's a time to receive money. There's a time to let go of money. Are you with me? There's a time to receive money. There's a time to let go of money. If you don't know the difference, go and ask Kuesin Yantechi. He was almost there. At the time he lost it, he was almost becoming the car president. How many of you know that? He was almost there. Almost there. He was tipped to be one of the favorite contenders for the car president. Listen, I'm not talking about taking illegal money. I'm talking about taking proper money. Sometimes let go of money. And that's why next year I will teach you about things that are more valuable than money. There are things that are more valuable than money. And if you have money, you don't have them, you are not valuable. Because increasingly we have come to an age and a stage where everything is about money. Yeah, We think that the best, the wisest is the rich. The greatest is the rich. No, 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 no. It's not always the case. There are a lot of rich fools around. They were around in Jesus' day. They were around in Solomon's day. Solomon said the prosperity of a fool shall destroy them. It's not every wise a rich man who is a wise man. Some of them are super fools. That's what the Bible says. The prosperity of fools will destroy them. Jesus dealt with two rich fools. And in any case, the ultimate wisdom a man possesses is known by the quality of choices he makes. A wise man is known by the quality of choices he makes. And if a man can choose a life, wealth, fame, money in life, and not make a choice for Christ, you can tell whether that man is wise or not. This morning, you are here. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Bow down your head. Nobody should stand. Just sit. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He came for you. And you want to say, Pastor, today, I don't want to miss this golden opportunity to make him my Lord and my Savior. You are here like that. Lift up your hands. Let me pray with you. You want to make a connection to the Messiah that will safeguard and secure your destiny for good. Lift up your hands. Let me pray with you. You don't know Jesus. You don't know Jesus. You don't know Jesus. You don't know Jesus. Now, if you do know him, I want you to pray and say, Lord, help me not to miss my glorious opportunities in life. Open your mouth and let this speak to God.